Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. We are presented with the support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. I'm Dan Paletta, your host. Glad you can be with us. After a year in which a number of arts organizations either had to cancel in-person performances or they did them via live stream, a number of them, as the fall rolls around, are now welcoming audiences back to live performance, including our own esteemed Cleveland Ballet, here to talk about what the ballet has planned for this year, and a little bit about how they got through last year financially and artistically, is the ballet's co-founder and artistic director, Gladysa Guadalupe. Gladysa, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Before we talk about what's going to happen this year, I want to take you back to March of 2020 when the pandemic really hit and everything closed down. Ballet dancers are different than a lot of other artists. Other artists, you can practice your violin at home, you can you can work on your voice at home, but dancers are also athletes. So how quickly did you notice that there were starting to be some problems because the, the dancers couldn't come into to the dance studio? Well, you know, the moment that the state closed, we went to work right away and we decided to buy, you know, all the Zoom and computers and all that stuff. And we set Zoom classes every single day. Uh, within a couple of days, I realized that was not going to work. And I said, you know, this is going to be, it's going to maintain them to a certain degree, but then we cannot develop anything. And then they're working on wood floors or they're working on the kitchen floors. There, there was no space. So it was, I had to kind of re reinvent the way I did at least the bar an hour of work so that they can get everything moving but they need space they got stagnant it's like you know I felt quickly that they you know when you take a bird and put him in a cage not only that you clip the the, the wings that's how I felt I said this this is not going to work but luckily, after all this month, it was a couple of months of Zoom Zoom exercises, and we brought other teachers, you know, we brought the Polaris, we brought floor exercises, we brought a lot of things for them to do via Zoom, but it did not work. So the moment that we were able to return back to the studio, we started very slow, taking everything, you know, because I didn't want them to get injured. Their muscles had changed, believe it or not. Uh, because we were like really up there. We started in, in the August and it was it was March. So their bodies was they were really in top shape. So that, that's what it was. But at the same time, we had to create something in order for us to continue working. And the staff got together while I was training them and my other faculty members were giving them uh, classes. We were creating a um, out-of-the-box tour where we can perform. And sure enough, we found places like Stan Hewitt outside, Gervasi, Thorn Creek. We were able to actually be outside and, and perform. So we were on, on a rush. Let's train them injury-free. Let's bring the PTs from university hospitals because we have a partnership with the, the University Hospitals for Medicine Department. And we were, we were performing. So it was really fast. It was one of those that we couldn't think about it, but at the same time, I had to be pulled back and see what was best for them in terms of getting them back into shape. And um, it was tough, but we learned a lot. We learned the resilience of this artist. We learned the resilience of us, the administration, to make sure that we provided um, a performance opportunity. And we learned that even though we were in the middle of COVID, there was an audience out there that wanted to go see live performances. What's a normal day for a dancer? What's a day like? What's a Tuesday like? Well, we start class at 9.30, but they're usually there between 8.30 and 9, warming up themselves. We do an hour and a half class, uh, and then we rehearse until 5, Tuesday through Saturday. 
Cleveland Valley opens its season on October 15th and 16th with Don Quixote in uh, Playhouse Square. As we get ready to talk a little bit about that, how did you survive over this last year? The Cuyahoga Arts and Culture just released some pretty grim statistics about how much money was lost and employees laid off. What was it like for you? How did, how did you guys cope financially through this pandemic over this last year? You know, I really was not involved directly, but our accountant and our um, president and CEO, also co-founder, Dr. Michael Krasniansky, they got all, you know, all these um, loans that they were out there possible. They were every single day they were out there and we got a lot of those funds available. So we continue working. Uh, the board, you know, was incredible incredible supporters. I mean, they did not, the one thing that we decided to do at the beginning of the pandemic, we're not going to stop paying the dancers. That was a given. That was not even a choice. So everybody in the staff, everybody on the board continue working to get all the funds available out there for us. And we never send anybody to furlough. We never did. That's why the, the, the out of the box tour going outside to do performance it was it was great because we got some income of course not the income that we will have gotten from the performances at Playhouse Square absolutely not but we we had enough income to continue paying giving the dancers their their paycheck every week ticket revenue though I mean that lost ticket revenue had to be a lot of money a lot of money a lot of money and you know and we are seeing we're seeing that people are buying tickets for Playhouse Square. We see it. We de- we get on a daily basis. We get the uh, how many tickets we sold and stuff like that. It's not like before. Before the pandemic, by the end of September, Nutcracker was sold out. Wow. So now it's slowly. Yeah. Now slowly happening, you know. So we just have to educate, re-educate the, 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 the audiences and make sure, you know, we all vaccinated. We all need to live with this COVID. It's not going to go away right now, but with the importance of live performances is so necessary for the human being. So we need to assure the audiences. Playhouse Square has had procedures and protocols in place. Cleveland Valley has procedures and protocols in place. So we are making sure that we're going to be safe in a safe environment, you know. I'm saying, are you requiring the members of the company and everybody else to be vaccinated? Is that something oh, you're asking? we all are. All of our company members are vaccinated. The staff is vaccinated. Our children in the school are wearing masks. We are, oh yeah, we are very, we're determined to really have a safe environment for all the artists and the students and the staff, definitely. You mentioned that ticket sales are a little slow. And I think in part that may be some people fearing COVID, but do you think people may have also gotten now into the habit of saying, I'm just used to staying home and streaming stuff that I'm just not going to go out as much anymore. I hope that's not the case, but do you fear that at all? You know, I have to tell you something. I've been I have been in this art form for 40 plus years and there's no experience like going to the theater and seeing the curtain go up and having dancers on stage. I I understand technology. I understand that we are all doing all the zooming. I understand people are organizations are getting rid of buildings and having people work from home, but you know what? To get dressed up to go to the theater, to sit there, to lift, hear the music, lift the curtain up and see this beautiful art form, that you cannot take that away. You That creates a different inspiration. That gives a human body, a human mind, a, they transport them to different places, you know? So I am a strong, a strong believer that I, I don't want to do uh, streaming, to be honest with you. I want people to continue going to the theater, in a safe environment and enjoy such a different experience. It's the, for now, live streaming is not going to happen for live performances now. 
At what point did you decide that you were definitely going to have a 2021-2022 season? I mean, a lot of organizations debated what they were going to do, and should we wait another year, or what was the process there? You know, I am part of the um, School of American Ballet and New York City Ballet um, in, in New York. I, that's my, that's, I am from there. And we were all talking about this, and I didn't want to stop. I continue pushing because I saw that the staff was, we were working in bringing funds in to continue going. We, we decided back in, in January, uh, this is the season we're going to have, whether it's going to be outside or in, in the theater. We never stopped. We told Playhouse Square, this is our season. We're going to take one day at a time. So we, we were ready. We, we, we were ready. I never believed that we were going to be on the block forever. I never believed that theaters were going to close forever. You know, that this is this art form, whether it's music, theater, um, ballet, dance, is so important to to the daily life of any human being. You know, I mean, that I never believed, but I'm very positive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I look at the positive. I never look at the negative. So, no, I continue. We continue. Like, we, of course, we knew that there was a situation in the world that we had to be taking in consideration in order for us to move forward. But we, we always found ways of creating. You know what I'm saying? We brought people into the studio to watch a, a rehearsal. We, we went to Stan Hewitt. We, we continue moving. And we prepare the season. I'm already preparing the season for the next two years. We're talking with Gladisa Guadalupe. She is the co-founder and artistic director of Cleveland Ballet. They open their season October 15th and 16th in Playhouse Square with Don Quixote. We're talking on The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. We're presented with the support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. I'm Dan Paletta. What goes into the process, Gladisa, planning a season? Obviously, you want to pick some performances. There are people going to come see you. Then there's the artistic questions. What's the balance like? Okay, so when you you create um, a regular season without COVID... There are things that you don't take in consideration. For example, we are, we are doing Don Quixote. If we would have done Don Quixote without COVID, we will have a, a, a intermission. We're not doing that. We're condensing the story. So when you create, when you come up with a, with a season, I wanted to give something to the audience that is without compromising the story, without compromising the choreography, um, and give them the whole thing. So we have Don Quixote, for example, is an hour and 20 minutes, no intermission. But all the pieces, parts are there. The story of the novella, Miguel Cervantes, is all there. The same thing, Nutcracker, we are allowed to do a, a intermission. And the same thing is going to be for Midsummer Night's Dream. Midsummer Night's Dream, and we're, gonna, we're working on it to make it like maybe an hour and 15 minutes. So everybody can see the story and still have the magic on stage. When you create, I am doing for the following year, I'm doing the same thing. I am trying to go both ways. Okay, if I if we do Swan Lake, we're going to do two hours Swan Lake, but we need an intermission instead of the three hours Swan Lake. So we are constantly, constantly trying to not reinvent the wheel, but to give something to the audience without compromising the story, the choreography, or the magic or the music for that matter. Let's talk for a moment about this particular production of Don Quixote. The story, as we all know, he's sort of a wild-eyed dreamer, and people make fun of him because his, he seems to have, his, his ambitions are too grandiose. So you are seeing him in a different way. Yes, you know, I I was I was born and brought up in Puerto Rico, and in, and in, I would I went to a private school in which we had to we had to read about ten novels in English and 10 novels in Spanish in, in, in high school. And one of them was Don Quixote. And the book was so heavy. 
down. It was like big, big book. And the one thing that I remember when I read this, it took me forever to read it. I never saw him crazy. I never did. I saw a man that was lonely, a man that was reading a lot, very highly educated, that wanted to have this fantasy of this woman. He was searching for love. Everybody's searching for love. I don't care what it is. Is it a dog or a cat? I don't care what it is. So this is the way I see him. We all, we all want to be wanted. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be loved, you know, and that's how I see him. And that's how I portray him throughout the entire, uh, the entire ballet. Not crazy, not needy, but I see he wants something and he sees it in every, in everything, in a windmill, in a, in, 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 in a lady, Mercedes, he sees it in the gypsy. So he's looking for his love. He's looking to be, to be wanted, to be accepted, but not crazy. Because if I was going to portray him crazy, then the entire world will be crazy. We've got enough crazy anyway going on these days. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Ballet has added some new members to the company. Yes. This year we added to our roster of dancers. Yes. Now, I, I was curious in that because, I mean, in times when it's tight financially, what's the decision-making process say we can afford to bring in some new dancers? You know, we are with Cleveland Ballet now for seven years. And this is the time that we need to make that jump artistically. And uh, because of the support of the board, because of the support of our staff, we were able to, to bring a different level of artists into the company. Um, like I said before, we never stopped working. We never, we never said we're going to bring the curtain down for a year. No, we continue moving. And we were able, these this artists came to us. They, they just came to us and we said, okay, if these artists are here willing to come to this seven-year-old company, we need to do something about it. So we, we always, we operate this company not as a not-for-profit. We operate this company as a, I don't want to say for-profit, but you need to balance every single day. You know what I'm saying? You, it's, it's, it's not a juggling act. It's not, oh, we don't have money for payroll. No, you have to have money for payroll. This A, B, and C have to happen so we can have the Z at the end. So Dr. Michael Krasniansky, an incredible savvy businessman, has been able to accommodate the artist level that I want. So we have been growing. But this year, we have acquired four dancers up, top notch. So that brought all these beautiful young artists. All of a sudden, they went, whoop, wait a minute, we got to go up. So it's, it's, just, um, it's just how you play the dominoes. How's that? Not your, not how you play the chess, how you play the dominoes. Because if you push a domino, you know how it goes. If you play the right, if you push it at the right time, you have that movement and it grows. You mentioned there were these performances you're doing at Jurassic Vineyard and at Stan Hewitt. These are excerpts of, of the, the bigger shows that you're doing. What's the process behind that? Just a chance to get the ballet into other places, let more people see it? Of course, reach out to different audiences that otherwise are not have never been able to go to Playhouse Square. You know, of course, we don't give, we don't do the whole production. We just give excerpts like the Nutcracker. We do only excerpts of the second act, and we are building. We have noticed that when we go to these places, we have built the audiences going to Playhouse Square. You know, because they said, "Oh my goodness, if I can see this for an hour, what I can go see at Playhouse Square for an hour and a half." So. And, you know, we're reaching out to different audiences, children, older, all ages. And I think it's wonderful. It's type of like an outreach, kind of like an outreach, but more more complete. You know, it's more intimate, actually. 
because the dancers are so close to the audience. And at the end of the performance, there's no curtain. So everybody comes together. Right? It's just a different experience. In addition to kicking off this 2021-2022 season with Don Quixote, you're also looking ahead to next summer where you have a big announcement of something happening in Vermilion that I think people are going to be excited yes. about, especially people who spend their spend a week or a month out there. Some entertainment for them now. Yes, we have a, created a partnership with the Harbor Town Art Center over there, and we just had a performance last weekend, and they had a lot of people. We we have we have an outdoor stage that we bring, and we have um, dancers. We we were there for a whole hour, and it was phenomenal. It's just it's just the Vermilion is so beautiful, and um, big companies have second uh, residencies. New York City Ballet has residencies in you know um, Saratoga Springs, so it it just it was a good marriage. It looks like it's going to be a great, great marriage for both organizations, for the dancers to have more opportunities to to perform outside um, and for the Vermilion citizens to see what we do at Playhouse Square. Yes. And that's, so that's going to start next August. Next August. Absolutely. Yes. That's great news. So are you cautiously optimistic about 2021 as far as the season goes and what's next? Absolutely. You know, we cannot be, we cannot live with fear. We have to we have to be cautious, you know. And I'm 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 looking forward to audience to to audience audience members to to see that it is okay to go to the theater. We'll wear masks. It's fine, you know. But I don't want to cut the wings of a bird. We're flying. We're flying high, and we need to continue growing. And I think this company has it's it's becoming a very strong pillar of the arts organization here in Cleveland, artistically and financially. And we're here to stay. We are here. Whenever I retire, I want to give this to somebody that continue growing. And that's that's our mission. That's our mission. Our mission is not to create something for today. We are preparing this company for the future, for decades to come. We don't want we don't want this to close ever. You know, this is the third time Cleveland Ballet is born, the third time. And I hope that I know deep inside our board and us, Dr. Michael Krasniansky and myself, co-founders of this organization, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be here for, to stay for a long time because that's how we're establishing the business. S- strong business and also strong artistic product. And uh, being resident com- company at Playhouse Square, we're going to be there forever. <laughs> that's great. Let's hope so. Important process yeah. to have both both the artistic and the financial sides taken care of. Yeah. Gladysa Guadalupe, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you being on The Landscape with us. Thank you. I, I love doing these kind of shows. Thank you. Gladysa Guadalupe is the artistic director and co-founder of Cleveland Ballet. Their season begins October 15th and 16th in Playhouse Square as they present Don Quixote. This is The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. We're presented with support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. On behalf of our producer, Cody Smith, I'm Dan Pallada. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.